I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota in Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires, land of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. I would like to introduce to you my friend, Mario Gonzalez. Mario is a member of the Okalala Sioux Tribe and has become well known for his efforts as a practicing attorney in representing Native American tribes in individuals and landmark cases. Some of these cases have consisted of major U.S. congressional acts and fundings for Native American commercial products. As a result of his works and accomplishments and many years of practicing law, Mr. Gonzalez is highly respected in the country and also internationally. So I'm really happy that he took the time to visit with me. And the first segment is kind of dealing with a little bit more of a personal matter with his family and his parents. And the second segment, he'll kind of explain to us a little bit about the treaties, which he is one of the foremost uh, people in the nation to know about the treaties. Mario Gonzalez and I have been friends for quite a few years. And so, Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing uh, real good. Yeah. You know, you I'm at my office working as I usually am. Yeah, and, uh, just, you uh, you are you are quite a worker. You haven't even slowed up much, have you? <laughs> well, I'm now 75 years old, and I'm working just as hard as I used to back in the 80s when I was handling all this litigation. I feel like uh, I haven't slowed up. Uh, I work uh, full days, sometimes seven days a week, not always. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I'm semi-retired and I'm I'm really enjoying it and one of the things that I've been wanting to do and totally enjoying is this uh Lakota link because I think there's some Native American issues that need to be talked about that perhaps the common person doesn't know. But before we start on that, I'd really like to have you share your history and like where you grew up and who your mom and dad were? Can you do that? Uh, yes. Uh, my my mother uh, graduated from the Oglala Community School, high school. She attended uh, school there for 12 years, first grade to 12th grade. She graduated in 1943 and uh, went to babysit in Alliance, Nebraska, for one of her friend's uh, sisters, older sisters. And while she was there, uh, she met my father, uh, who is from San Antonio, Texas, Mexican-American. They, they got to know each other and eventually got married. Uh, 
and that's that's how my parents met. Um, at, at that time, Alliance was a military base, they had an Air Force base there. So my dad was in the U, U.S. Uh, Army Air Force, and he, he got stationed at various uh, locations. Uh, he took basic in Wichita Falls, Texas, and he got stationed in Pembroke, North Carolina, I believe somewhere in Missouri, and also Alliance, Nebraska, and Austin, Texas. So while he was uh, being transferred from base to base, I uh, worked on gliders. Uh, my mother went to live with uh, my uh, paternal grandfather, my dad's uh, parents, and while she was there, uh, she got to learn Spanish, conversational Spanish, so she was trilingual. And she was very fluent in Lakota because she was uh, raised around not her just her grandparents, but her great-grandparents. And you know, great-grandparents, uh, which was uh, Quiver and Rattling Hawk. And then her her grand, grandparents were uh, Qui- uh, Harry Quiver and Agnes Bullock's behind from Rosebud. But Agnes died of swine flu with her older, oldest daughter in 1918. So my mother never got to know her real grandmother. But uh, Harry Quiver remarried Wild Horse. And Wild, Wild Horse uh, uh, was uh, Mabel Rannell. Everybody knows her around Wombly. That was her mother, Leon, uh, uh, her brother Leon. Um, my mother, got, uh, who she called uh, Wild Horse Unchi, her grandmother. That's mm-hmm. the only grandmother she knew. So she, she taught, you know, they taught her Lakota. And then, of course, my grandmother, my mother's mother, spoke nothing but Lakota, first language. So, you know, when she would, she understood English, she talked to her, but she'd answer Lakota. So uh, my mother is very fluent in the old ways, Rattling Hawk, uh, Quiver, uh, Harry Quiver was six years old at the Battle of Little, Little Bighorn. Oh, I was, all up there I was the wondering about that because I see in your uh, bio that that he was there, and I was going to ask you about that. Yes, uh, the whole family was up there at the Little Bighorn. And uh, there's a book by Wagner that lists all the uh, people that were up there. And uh, they, they're they all listed as being at the Battle of the Little Bighorn. And so uh, my Rattling Hawk... Uh, it was really Papa, and her mother was jealous of that. So they settled in Wombly, and then Rattling Hawk married a Lower Brule man named uh, Quiver. And Quiver, you know, rode, uh, he was at the Little Big Horn and rode with uh, Crazy Horse Band. And so they were they were all up there, participated. Uh, my mother uh, used to tell me stories, and she said uh, that she called uh, Rattling Hawk uh, Webson Unchi, and the reason for that is that Enos, my great-uncle Enos Poorbear's brother was Webster, Poorbear. And so they couldn't pronounce Webster, so they called him Webson. So they said Webster's Unchi would be <laughs> Battling Hawk, Webster's oh. grandmother. It's actually my mother's great-grandmother. So uh, I, I recall one story she told me at the Little Bighorn. She said that uh, they, they told all the women to take their kids and get, you know, get on their horses and ride to the West when Custer was attacking. So one woman got on her horse, uh, tied her baby in a blanket, and held a blanket with her teeth, and went, went west to get out of the harm's way. And so that that uh, baby turned out to be Robert Two Elk, who was raised around Wombly, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And um, th- uh, that would be Nellie Two Elk's father. So those are kind of stories that my mother said her great-grandmother, uh, Rattling Hawk, would tell her. She'd say, uh, she, you know, tell us a story. So she said she would 
roll up a, a bull Durham cigarette, <laughs> light it, and then start uh, telling these stories uh, from the pre-reservation days. So my mother had a real, you know, good background of learning the language, uh, learning uh, about the history of our tribe, and you know, learning it from her her mother, her great grandparents. Uh, you know, great great grandparents. Yeah, that's um, my mom. My folks didn't speak Lakota in front of me. I mean, I do know some words. And, of course, my my dad's mother was Northern Cheyenne. But later on, in later years, I my mom shared the, the story that she helped take care of her grandpa. And he only spoke Lakota. So I know she knew how to, to speak it. And she probably understood it very well, but uh, unfortunately, I I didn't get that. I I do know some words, but you're you're fairly fluent, aren't you? I I understand a little. I don't speak it, but I understand. You know, my just being around my grandmother and my mother over the years, I can kind of follow, you know, uh, what they say. But I've never tried to speak it, and. Um, when I'm around my mother, or my mother's deceased, not but I'm around her and my grandmother, and, you know, my mother's siblings. They all spoke nothing but Lakota. Well, you know, to each other. I signed. So, I signed up uh, Wayne and I for a, a Lakota immersion class, and Wayne lasted half an hour. I lasted both days, but <laughs> but I was the poorest pupil. I I have to admit it. I have kind of a problem with pronunciation anyway, and but I was determined to stick with it. Yeah, that's so nice. You know, this is something that story about the Battle of Little Bighorn. That's a story that might not not be told and I so I'm so glad you're willing to share that I I do know my uh great uncle paint painted horse was there also I think when we look back onto our history so there was so much intertwined there and come to find out our mothers went to school at the same time yeah yes uh you know she had a lot of Friends, I, I still have her, uh, you might call it a, uh, like a yearbook at the, you know, in my files here. And it has, uh, you know, uh, when you graduate high school, they, a lot of the, you know, the classmates write uh, little, um, you know, stories or little greetings and, you know, the, uh, the yearbook. I still have my mother's yearbook from 1943. With, oh, wow. Uh, so, some of the people that made little comments as, as they graduated. I know my mom, um, she and both my mom and dad uh, quit school after they graduated eighth grade. And and that was, kind, you know, relatively common back then. So for your mom to even, you know, to go clear on through high school, that that was quite an achievement. I can't help but think she was pretty smart, you know, knowing Lakota, English, and then picking up Spanish, because that's not easy to learn new languages like that. 
Yeah, so she she could speak conversational Spanish when we went to visit my uh, my father's uh, parents and you know his siblings, and well, she she was able to converse in Spanish. So she was she was uh, good at language. How many how many woods in your family? My uh, mother and father had uh, eight children. I'm the oldest. Oh, uh, four four sons and four daughters. Okay. And you lived, you grew up in Wombly, is that right? Yeah, what what happened was, um, after World War II, my father uh, signed up for the GI Bill. And uh, I have a first cousin that was quite older than I was, uh, Joe Hernandez. And he, mar- he married into the Rosebuds who tried to, Bernice Ironshooter. Anyway, so his children are Rosebud members. And then my father and um, my cousin Joe went to Kansas City to on the GI Bill, and uh, my cousin Joe took up engraving, and my father took up body and fender at Stevens Automotive School. This would be 19, probably 47. Uh, my my father uh, was discharged from the Army, Air Force in 1946. So about 1947, we were living in Kansas City, and they were going to, uh, uh, you know, these training. Uh, automotive training and engraving. And then uh, they came back to uh, South Dakota, Wombly, and of course, this this little thing goes by my office here, uh, people with bipedals. Oh, yeah. And play music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me continue. They're gone. Sure. My, my mother and father came back uh, to South Dakota, uh, living at Wombly with my grandparents, um, my grandparents had a country home. My father was a ran- my grandfather's a rancher. He had a ranch about um, oh, at uh, seven miles uh, uh, east of Wombly on the intersection there, and that's a lot of our family land. My great grandmother's land is located right there. My grandfather leased a lot of that land and ran his cattle. So, uh, but they also had a uh, home in Wombly, the old pool hall. So when my mother and father came back. Uh, to South Dakota from Kansas City, uh, they lived in in that building uh, with uh, with my gra- my grandmother. My grandfather, of course, went back and forth on the country tennis ranch, and so uh, in those days, work was hard hard to come by. So they would uh, a lot of the native people would go down to the Nebraska Panhandle and find farm work, including my parents. So I recall in about 1948 49. Uh, they would go down uh, to uh, Baird, Nebraska, and some of those towns, Scotts Bluff area, and they would pick potatoes. I remember, uh, they would have two bag, gunny sack bags uh, on each side, hooked to each side of their, uh, you know, like a belt, mm-hmm. and they would, you know, fill it with potatoes and go right on. And uh, I would be sitting on the sides of the field watching them yeah. as a little kid. Sometimes it'd be real cold. I'd have a blanket around me. Then they would also top sugar beets. I recall that, and it wasn't just my parents. It would be like uh, my mother's uh, uh, sisters and uh, their families, and we'd all go down as a group. And then they would come back to Wombly and winter there. Uh, I recall in the uh, it would be the, I think the fall of '78. Excuse me, '48. Um, we were living in Baird, just on a, a ranch. Uh, I guess it would be to the west of Baird, and. and um, they were doing farm work in the forty, and then in the spring, the forty-nine blizzard was coming. They were living there, and I still remember it. And so they were. We were. We had a little like one-room shack here 
my sister Margaret and I and my parents were living there, and my mother and father were outside uh, running, you know, gathering the chickens and putting them away and getting ready for that big storm coming. And it came, and that was a 1949 blizzard. And so after that, then uh, they moved to Hot Springs. We were living in a tent at Hot Springs, 1949. And my dad got a job with the Bureau of Reclamation. They were building at Angostura Dam, and he started uh, working on some buildings that the Bureau was uh, building there in Hot Springs. Then in 1950, next thing we know, we're in Lake Andes, and my father's working on that um, Fort Randall Dam. And uh, my sister was born in Lake Andes, Olivia, third one, third child of my parents. And so uh, we lived there through the through the summer of 1950, I recall. And then uh, it seemed like we uh, went back to Wombly. And then and then my father got a job at Hemingson's Garage in 1951, doing body and fender work, and he did that for a few years. And so then uh, my parents bought a place in. Um, Kiroka, a little streetcar, uh, like a like a trailer home, and so we lived there. And I started first grade in uh, in Kiroka in 1951. I actually went to uh, kindergarten, Wombly Day School, 1950 to 51. But 1951, I started elementary school at Kiroka, and I was there. Uh, I think like till tenth grade. Oh. And one year, the third grade, we went to Texas, and I uh, attended Davy Crockett School down there. And we moved back, and I got so far behind third grade, I had to repeat the third grade. Hmm. But ultimately, uh, uh, my junior year at Kiroka, I transferred to uh, Douglas High School at Ellsworth Air Force Base and spent uh, my junior and senior year at high school at uh, Douglas, graduated there, and then I um, went to college at uh, Black Hill State College and met my wife there. Oh, yes, I remember Dorothy. She just was a wonderful person. So, um, yeah. what what made you decide to take to go into law? What was the pivotal thing, or was it? Yes. Uh, well, uh, once I got married, uh, uh, Dorothy uh, Conroy, mm-hmm. and you know her 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 family's the history of the Ogallala Sioux Tribe, because um, her great grandmother is Ulala Smoke. Uh, she Smoke's daughter. And Yulala, of course, uh, was good friends with uh, Crazy Horse's mother, so they rode in that band. And then Yulala's uh, brother was um, American Horse. Uh, it's not the, it isn't Joe American Horse's uh, family from, who came from the Iron Shell, you know, people in Rosebud and settled on Pine Ridge. But this American Horse was Yulala's uh, uh, brother, and he was a shirt wearer along with Crazy Horse, uh, Sword, and Young Man of Freedom's Horses. And so uh, that American horse was at Slim Buttes when General Crook attacked and, uh, you know, got killed there. Hmm. And, you know, Crazy Horse came to the rescues about uh, several miles to the west. And by the time he got there, General Crook, uh, you know, they had reinforcements, and General Crook moved on down towards uh, Sturgis to Fort Meade. At that time, uh, it was just a tenth city, I believe. And so uh, a lot of people don't know about that battle at Slim Buttes. Uh, it was just kind of a surprise attack by Crook, General Crook, when the men were out hunting, as usual. And uh, Crazy Horse Camp was um, a few miles to the west. And so uh, you don't hear very much about that, but uh, my wife's family was part of that. They were um, you know, involved in the Battle of the Rosebud, Battle of Bighorn, and you know, other uh, battles between the U.S. Cavalry and the, 
and the Sioux people. So uh, my my wife's family has a very fascinating history of being involved with, uh, you know, the, the Oglala Sioux tribe. Actually, uh, uh, Ulala Smoke uh, was a first cousin to Chief Red Cloud also because Chief Smoke's uh, sister was Red Cloud's mother. So my wife is also uh, not only related to the Smoke family, a descendant, but also related into the Red Cloud family. I found so, yeah, out. It's I, a fascinating history. Yes. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I found out that how I'm related to Chief Red Cloud too, and it's kind of way back there. But it's it's interesting to find that out. I I think. And can you tell me? Because I've forgotten. I'm sorry. How many kids did you and Dorothy have? Uh, we had six uh, children. Mm-hmm. Uh, two boys and four girls. Oh, good. And I, al- I always both. think that girls t- will be there to take care of a person in their old age. So I always think you're lucky if you have a lot of girls. <laughs> well, yeah, I have a real good family. Uh, we've had a real good life. I've never had to worry about uh, alcohol or drugs or anything like that. Uh, you know, apparently, um, you know, it paid off... Uh, protecting them from all that when they were growing up. So they all do very well. They're all good kids, good oh. children, and I have grandchildren now. I have uh, 15 grandchildren. Wow. And let me see. I think I have, uh, one, I think, five, five great-grandchildren. Oh, okay. So uh, kind of back to my original question, what made you decide to go into law? Well, when I was at Black Hill State uh, uh, at Spearfish, back I I started in um, the spring of '65 and graduated from there in '69. So uh, when I was getting ready to graduate in the spring of 1969, I told my wife that I'd like to go on to a higher education and get a master's degree, maybe. And I kind of like social psychology. Uh, you know, my major was uh, social sciences. So I was kind of looking at social psychology or maybe um, you know the social science area, but I couldn't find any uh, financial assistance in any of those schools that I was checking into. And my grandmother Anna Quiver Wilcox uh, showed me a uh, article in one of the uh, native uh, uh, papers, newspapers, and it talked about this. Uh, law program at the University of New Mexico School of Law. And so I looked at that, and I applied. And at that time, uh, they were just looking for people to fill these uh, these uh, positions. And so I was accepted. And uh, by the way, Dr. James Wilson helped create that uh, law program. He's an Oglala Sioux tribal member, and he was working with... Uh, the Indian desk of OEO at that time. I think Sergeant Shriver was ahead of it. And, oh, okay. And uh, at that time, and it's 19, uh, this would be 1960, late 60s. And so uh, one, of, one of the things that Dr. Jim started was uh, the Indian Law Program at the University of New Mexico School of Law. So I, I got into that program. I didn't, I didn't even apply for law school. I was accepted there. Uh, getting ready to finish that the summer program out when one of the instructors came up, took a liking to me, and he said, where are you going to law school? I said, well, I'm not. I'm going to have to stay out of here because I never applied to a law school. So he said, said to me, um, how would you like to go to the University of North Dakota School of Law? 
I said, yes, any, I'd go to any law school right now instead of staying out of here. So he goes and he calls the dean up there because he's a former dean of North Dakota also, Jerry Waldron, I believe his name was. And so he calls up to the dean. He says, I'm sending somebody up. You have to room. He said, go ahead and send him up. And that was me. me. So uh, I rushed back to Rapid City. I took the LSAT at School of Mines. And then uh, we, I had to get to Grand Forks. And, of course, it took a little money. And this is kind of an interesting little story because – we went dog racing with my mother-in-law and my wife, and my mother-in-law said, go pick out a Cornell. I told my wife, we'll split it. So my wife went and picked one out, and uh, it paid $500. Oh, wow. So, uh, so you know, we had 250 bucks, and we ended, headed out for Grand Forks. <laughs> Got up there, and uh, I enrolled in a law school. And uh, the University of North Dakota law program was also providing financial assistance. So once I got up there, they provided us uh, with enough money to pay a tuition, you know, pay for the uh, rent and pay for, uh, you know, the the uh, utilities and food and whatever we needed. So it wasn't much, but enough to get by on. And so three years later, I was graduating from law school with a Juris Doctor degree. Wow. That, that had to have been a lot of hard work and... I don't know. Was it like with, well, it with, with Wayne? You know, when Wayne went to college, then I worked. So, did Dorothy go to college too, or did she work? Uh, yeah, she she dropped out of college while I was in law school. Uh huh. And so uh, we just had one income up in Grand Forks. When I graduated from law school, then she went back to college and got her bachelor's degree from Black Hill State. So you know, she stayed out uh, the three years I was up there and came back. I enrolled in Black Hill State again and graduated in, I think, 1974. Oh. I graduated law school in 1972. Wayne graduated college in uh, 71. So we was probably up here the same time you were somewhat, you know, in in Well, I was up uh, in 1969 is when I left Spearfish. Oh, okay. And Wayne Wayne went to school there in 67, so... But we didn't oh, get. I was there in '67. Yeah, then. we didn't get married. We got married in '68. I had just got out of high school, and we decided we thought we were pretty smart, so we got married. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it was okay because we've been married a long time. If you enjoyed this, I think you'll really enjoy our second segment because it also has um, some real no- knowledgeable items about the treaties and and how Mario has helped with the situation with our sovereignty as uh, tribal nations. So please uh, tune in next week and we'll have the second part. Thank you for listening. Well, I hope you enjoyed our segment. You know, I I enjoy visiting with the people. And if you did, go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background. Please subscribe to it or if you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us and I value your opinion. This song is written and sung by my good friend Quincy Goodstar. 
Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila, thank you for joining us. Take